Let's hear now God's word taken from 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 4. Hear now the word of God. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while, there, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Apollos, or excuse me, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely humans? This is God's holy and inspired word. It contains all that we need for faith and for life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Let us once again pray. Oh dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you take this word which I preach and preach your word to us. Make it Be effectual. Make us pliable to hear the word and respond to it and apply it to our lives. And ultimately, come to maturity in Christ. And that maturity will only be arrived at when we come into your presence in glory. We ask this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. What does it take to pursue maturity? It begins with knowing what you don't know. Knowing that you are ignorant. Take medicine, for instance. You realize that you have an interest in medicine in your undergraduate days. You have always admired physicians, and that is what you would like to do. So you take a major in pre-med. You realize how uninformed you are, but you want to learn. This major takes you to the edge of knowing whether you want to quit or pursuing greater knowledge. You enroll in med school, and you have to choose an interest, whether it be oncology or podiatry or endocrinology, whatever else you want to pursue in in mature knowledge. Going through med school, you realize that you are one of the best in your chosen profession. However, you understand that you, if you are going to be the best, you have to continue learning. You have to stay up on current trends. You have to read articles, monographs, and books. And you realize that studying the body is a never-ending learning experience. If you don't do that, you will end up being outdated. You have to continue learning until you retire. This is the way you maintain spiritual maturity. When you become a Christian, you start as an infant in Christ. 
You were in Christ as a brother or sister to fellow believers, but you must pursue to become more mature in Christ. This pursuit of growth never ends. You have to continue learning until you die. If you believe that you have attained maturity in Christ, if you believe that you have obtained maturity in Christ, you are often deceived by the wiles of Satan. You have to pursue maturity every day of your life. That is what Paul is talking about in this passage. And and this is the doctrine of the text. When you became a believer, you were an infant in Christ. But do not be content with that. You must pursue spiritual maturity. I'll, I'll repeat that. When you became a believer, you were an infant in Christ. But do not be content with that. You must pursue spiritual maturity. In the exposition, I would like to establish three headings. First, the remembrance. Two, the present. And three, the evidence. First, the remembrance. Verses 1 through 2a provides what Paul remembered. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. As infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Notice that Paul speaks in the past tense. I could not address you. I fed you in the past with milk, for you were not ready for solid food. And what does he remember? He remembers that they were at one time unspiritual unspiritual. Let us read verse 1 another time. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. He recalls that when he first spoke to the Corinthians, remember that Paul planted the church at Corinth, and they were mostly pagans who worshipped idols and the goddess of Athena. And before Paul preached to them, they were unspiritual people. But now that they have believed and are truly in belief, they have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. Yet at that time, Paul preached to them who were unspiritual. Paul also says that they were fleshly people. Verse 1 continues, I I could not address you as spiritual people, but as the people of the flesh. We were at one time fleshly people. Before we were converted, what is it to be fleshly people? The most evident place that we could turn to is Galatians 5.19. I'll read this to you. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's be honest. The Corinthians had dealt with many of those same things. 
Paul speaks of sexual immorality in chapter 5 and 6. Paul speaks of impurity and sensuality in chapter 7. He speaks of idolatry in chapter 8. He speaks of enmity, strife, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions throughout 1 Corinthians, Corinthians, starting in chapter 1, verse 10, and moving on in chapter 3. They have been surrounded by the works of the flesh, and the works of the flesh are evident. They're abundant. But he still maintains that he is speaking to brothers. People can give evidence to the works of the flesh and still be in an experience of salvation. Verse 6, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 9 demonstrates this point. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of you. Such were some of us. There is no one who is unredeemable. God has showered His grace upon you in Christ so that you were sanctified. And in Christ you were justified by the Spirit of God. You are to continue being sanctified more and more. You are to die to sin and live unto righteousness. Under grace, you are to mortify any sin in you and you are to rise to new life as if sin does not have dominion over you. If you are tempted to fall prey to the works of the flesh, you need to take extreme measures not to fall into being a mere fleshly person. That was the old man but put on the new man. Paul remembers a third thing that the Corinthians were at first, and it is that they were infants. Verse 1 continues, But as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. You were infants in Christ. I was an infant in Christ. You were not ready to eat solid food, and Paul just says, I fed you with milk. In these verses, Paul makes a distinction that if you are infants in Christ, you cannot stomach anything but milk. But if you are mature in Christ, you can receive the harder things and more difficult things of the Lord. One time we stopped at an IHOP for breakfast. And you'll never believe this. Uh, This was when Samuel was an infant, uh, maybe six months old at the latest. And the waitress saw Sam and asked us um, and said to us, she told us about the same age of her child that was about the same age as Samuel. And then she asked, 
uh, what we fed him. And we said primarily uh, just milk or maybe um, uh, cereal. Uh, uh, What's it called? Rice cereal. And uh, she said to us, I feed him ribs. And, she, and he does fine with that. I feed him ribs. Not, uh, not uh, this is not what you feed infants. Not milk, not so- soft foods. She fed him ribs. And it is not really wisdom to have infants eat ribs. Anyways. But Paul makes this distinction. That if you are unspiritual and fleshly or still sensual, you are still infants and cannot eat solid food. The next heading is the present. Paul speaks to the Corinthians as if all this had changed. They have become believers. And he speaks of uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ. He sees them, Paul sees them as brothers and sisters. He assumes this everywhere in the epistle of the first Corinthians. So far, he says this in chapter 1, verse 10, uh, verse 26, chapter 2, verse 1, and now chapter 3, verse 1. We are spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. The next thing that Paul assumes is that the Corinthians were at one time infants in Christ. If you have become believers, you at the minimum are infants in Christ. But you have become glorious infants. That, that, that is so encouraging. At the very least, you have become glorious infants in Christ. That word, in Christ, makes all the difference. However, in Him, remember that you are in Christ. You have been called to be further sanctified. Don't remain infants all your life. You have to pursue maturity. You have to pursue further sanctification. So press on to maturity in Christ. You must pursue sanctification. The Corinthians were not pursuing holiness. They were still acting as if they were in the flesh, unspiritual persons. And the final heading that they are still acting of the flesh as unspiritual persons is the evidence. The evidence. This is what verse 2b through 3 says, And even now you are not yet ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? There are three evidences that the Corinthians are still infants who lack maturity and that they are not ready for solid food. The first one is that the Corinthians are jealous. He says, jealous. Jealousy is a work of the flesh. In the book of Galatians that I read to you prior. What are they to be jealous about? They apparently have been uh, 
uh, jealous for their so-called lack of spiritual gifts. Paul picks up on that theme in the beginning of 1 Corinthians. He says in chapter 1, verses 4-6, through that in every way you were enriched in Him. All, in Him, all speech and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says to you, plural, or rather y'all, are not lacking any spiritual gift. However, he feels the need to press this farther in chapter 12. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each person is given gifts of the Spirit. But those are not the same for each person in the body. Chapter 12 continues in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. That would be absurd for the body to say that to the foot or the hand. But every gift is for the common good of the church. Every gift. But these Corinthians are being jealous of spiritual gifts, probably concerning Paul and Apollos, because they have been gifted to preach. Chapter 3, verse 4 continues. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you have believed, as the Lord assigned to each. Who are these persons? What are these persons? Why are you being jealous of the spiritual gifts that God gave to them? Because they are merely servants by which you believed. Your spiritual gifts have been given to you by the same Spirit, so as to benefit the common good of the church. But there is another evidence of fleshly participation that the Corinthians had. Strife. Strife. This is a work of the flesh, again. Synonyms of strife are discord, contention, fighting, etc. The ESV and the King James Version and the NSB, NASB all translate this word as strife. However, the NIV translates it quarreling. I imagine that you get the drift. If someone is always quarreling, contending and fighting and never, to be, never appear to be happy, you have strife on your hands. If one contends with you always, if you say, oh, I don't want them to notice me because they always have bitter words to say to me, you may have strife on your hands. I know I have known several people like this that you just couldn't make them happy 
No matter how hard you tried, you just couldn't please them. You have known these people in work that just continually fought with you. Anything that you said, they would strive with you. If you said the sky was blue, they would say it's green. When you would say the grass is green, they'd say it's blue. But many of these don't claim to be Christians. Don't claim to have the Spirit dwelling inside of them. But if you have made a profession of faith, I am going to assume that you do. And the elders are assuming that you have this gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. And you shouldn't be impossible to please. Striving with all your being to be unpleasant as possible. If someone says something wrong, you should not always correct them. If someone says a thing in poor taste, you should not always make them see the errors of their ways. When all else fails, it is better to give them grace than bitterness. My, my wife always says something like this, and she inherited it from her mother and her mother before that. It goes something like this. There are three qualifications of whether or not you should say something. Is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? And it has to pass through all three gates. If it is not true, you don't need to say it. If it is not kind, you don't need to say it. If it is not truly necessary, you don't need to say it either. They pass through all of the, if they pass through all of those gates, you can say it. You should say it. But this is a, a, that is a good rule to apply to your mouths. And that, however, there is one other thing that the Corinthians are guilty of. Divisions. Divisions. And he incorporates this in the following text. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, Are you not of the flesh and behaving in a human way? For one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? Are you not being merely human? Again, division is a work of the flesh. And its synonyms, which are also spoken of in the deeds of the flesh, let us read from Galatians 5.19 again. Now the works of the flesh are evident Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. You would all say amen to that, right? But it continues. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, etc. Why do you not say amen to that? Because you and I may be guilty of doing these things. As Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 1.13, is Christ divided? Then to the church, if she is faithful to Christ, they will not be divided either. If you are guilty of breeding dissension, you are walking in a fleshly way. As Paul said, are you not being merely human, acting, 
Are you not acting as if you have not the Spirit of God dwelling within you? The summary of this exposition is that Paul remembers what the Corinthians uh, were before they believed. They were unspiritual and fleshly. But when they became Christians, they became spiritual. Brothers and sisters in Christ, thereby becoming infants in Christ. At the beginning, Paul restricted them to only spiritual milk, not solid food, for they were just starting out the Christian life. But now, some time had passed, and Paul has heard evidence that they are jealous and backbiting. They are never pleased or happy or joyful. And so they are striving with each other and fighting with one another and dividing amongst the body. That is evidence of still remaining in the flesh, not as unbelievers, but acting as if unbelievers and unspiritual. This leads us to a number of applications uh, for us. The first application that I would say to you is if you are a Christian, you have been given the Spirit. You have been given the Holy Spirit. So act like it. It's no mystery. Act like. Act like you have the Spirit of God gifted upon you. Act like it. If you are a Christian, you've been granted the Spirit in order to act, uh, to not act fleshly, unspiritual, or as infants. You have the Spirit of God, therefore act like it. Pursue making godly decisions or spiritually decisions. Pursue not acting in the works of the flesh, but in the fruits of the Spirit. Secondly, you will want to pursue maturity. When you became a Christian, you began as an infant in Christ, but don't be content to stay that way. You have become brothers and sisters in Christ, but don't remain infantile brothers or sisters. You have been given the Spirit to move beyond mere infants. You have been set free from sin's domain so that you can pursue maturity in Christ. And in this passage, we have much material for pursuing that. The first is, pursue the fruits of the Spirit and not the works of the flesh. We have talked about the work of the flesh more times than once in this sermon. However, pursue the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We often have those fruits memorized But don't ever apply them to our lives. Don't ever pray for them. Pray that you will have the fruits of the Spirit. Pray that that the Spirit will produce these fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, and and etc. You cannot pursue spiritual fruits if you don't have the Spirit. But if you do, you can pursue these things. If you commit your ways to, to pray for the fruits of the Spirit and reject the work of the flesh, you will not be jealous of his or her spiritual gifts. One is said to have the gift of preaching. Others, 
the gift of service and others have the gift of charity and a, a host of other things. Be content with your own gifts for the common good of the church. If you are content with your own spiritual gifts, you will not stir up strife or discord, which leads ultimately to your own misery. You will pursue love, joy, peace, patience, and the like. Secondly, pursue or rather examine your desires. If you want to be spiritually mature, test and examine your desires. I have often said you can tell a lot about a man by his desires. If you don't want to grow in maturity, you won't. If you don't have the desire to grow, you won't. Immediately after brain surgery in the fall of 2019, I needed help. I needed help mentally and physically. I was like a newborn child. Like an infant, like an infant I needed help speaking. I needed help eating. I needed help walking. And a thousand other ways I needed help. But I didn't want to stay that way. I knew enough to conclude that I didn't want to stay that way. I had the desire, but the ability only came in time. Like the toddler says, I want to do it myself. We often hear, we often hear that line and attribute that to stubbornness. But what if it's just desire manifesting itself? If you desire to grow and mature in the knowledge of Christ, you will. I trust you will. But if you don't, you never will. You may not come to a full knowledge of Christ until your death, but if you don't desire to grow, you will never grow. Thirdly, pursue formation to the image of Christ. You never get away from Christ. Maturity is not achieved by getting away from Christ, but by moving closer to Him. Never for a second get away from Christ. For when you move away from Christ, you are doomed to fail. But grow in the knowledge of Christ. Read His Word which says which Jesus says everything contained in the law and the prophets was about me. So grow in the knowledge of Christ and you will be conformed in His image. You grow in His image when you are with Him. When you abide with Christ. Have you ever considered how adopted children begin to resemble their adopted parents? I had a friend in high school that when I learned that he was adopted, I was shocked. Because he so much resembled his adopted father that it was really remarkable. Just in being with his father, he resembled him. That is what the Christian is like. If we want to grow spiritually mature, we need to grow in the likeness of the Father's dear Son. In fact, spiritual maturity is synonym is a synonym with that. For Romans 8.28 says, For those who He foreknew, He also 
predestined to be conformed to, me, to the image of His Son. That is what God desires. That we be conformed to the image of His beloved Son. We resemble Him only when by His Word and Spirit we are exposed more and more to Him. Fourthly, and finally, pursue the long road. Pursue the long road. If you realize that if you are in Christ and being gradually formed into His image, this will not be overnight. If you don't realize this, you will be doomed to fail. But if you realize that you have been admitted into the school of Christ, in which you never graduate until you arrive at glory, you will await that future glory with the promises of God. As 1 John 3.2 says, we shall be like Him because we will see Him as He is. Hold on to that hope. And, and that, will equip you, uh, that will equip you for the long haul. You will be like Him when you see Him as He is. What a glorious hope promised by God's holy, inspired Word. You will see the Lord Jesus and you will be conformed to His image. You will be like Him. And that will be the last stop at spiritual maturity. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we were indeed infants in Christ. But what glorious infants. That we were infants in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in union with Him. But speak to us this day and we will pursue maturity. We cannot pursue maturity unless the Holy Spirit breathes in us and and makes us receptive to the Word to the Word of the Gospel. Help us to pursue maturity. And that having died to the flesh, we continue in the Spirit, in the fruits of the Spirit, ultimately in conformity to the image of Christ. We ask that You bless this Word to our hearts because without the work of Your Holy Spirit, it will fall dead as doornails. But fill us with Your Spirit and enable us to flee from sin and to walk in righteousness. For that is the true image of Christ. True righteousness. We ask this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.